0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. Um, My guest today is Ed Dominion, the president and founder of D6. Welcome, Ed. Hey, thank you for having me today, Dan. Uh, And I know folks are listening to this. They can't see the pictures in the background. And this is the main thing I want to start with. So (laughs) we were talking (laughs) about it before we recorded. Can you talk?
1: What do you got going on? So uh, I I usually uh, I like art and uh, not the the crazy expensive art, but just like art that means something. So behind me, I have... uh, Evil Knievel, uh, 1970s Sports Illustrated, uh, blown-up picture done uh, by one of my dear, dear friend's uh, daughters. And he is wearing uh, an American flag K95 mask. And to the right of me, we have uh, the sheriff from Jaws. So I've been trying to have a little fun with 2020 since it's it hasn't been that fun in most instances. <laughs> so the theme of 2020 is... Uh, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> I,
0: love, I love that. When you walk in your office, that's got to put a smile on your face just to start the day, right? So it
1: sets the tone.
0: So, well, let's start. You know, for the folks that don't know um, about D6 uh, and, and you, I know it's a big, broad question I always start off with. Um, love for you to just tell a little bit about yourself and, you know, the company and what you do.
1: Yeah. So, uh, D6 Inc. is an eco based thermoformer. Uh, sounds nice and technical, and at the grassroots, what we do is we take waste from landfills, and rather than burning and burying it, which what happens with most of the products in your blue bins, we actually upcycle it into other consumer goods, such as clamshell containers, uh, films, uh, medical devices, you name it, so they have a second life. And then we have networks um, throughout the United States to recapture those again, and then reuse them in the same products as they were before.
0: So when did the, the company get started? When did you found
1: it? Uh, so our, our origin uh, really started in about, well it started November 15th, 2011 when my uh, previous company was bought out by a PE group. Okay. And uh, ultimately uh, bought out um, me and my partners and uh, long story short PE group came in. The people that signed the check uh, were very nice. People that came in the next day were very different people. <laughs> talk a little bit about you later, the good and the bad. Um and ultimately um tried to write it out with them for about a year, year and a half. And I had customers coming to me and pretty much saying, look, we we hate your company. We love working with you. And I said, I hate my company right now working with you. And at about 31, 32, I was I was retired. I was done. We we rang the bell um and uh, I was investing in other businesses. And I had a. Uh, a major retailer, uh, Walmart, come to me and said, no, not yet. You can't be done. Oh, and I said, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Um, and in my space, we, did, uh, we started off as a, just a design firm. We would design products to take waste out of them, make them lighter, better, um, less materials that could go to landfill. And then it pivoted towards recycling and, and, and all this to be very um, eco-based. Well, it's very popular right now. Um, you know, seven, eight years ago, a lot of people were just drunk on virgin materials. Right, and right. it was a, a core principle of what we want to start a company on with recycling or upcycling waste. And uh, not from offshore. That's very important because a lot of people are bringing them offshore. So we're doing that all here in America and now around the world, um, which is uh, very fulfilling. And, uh, you know, trying to de de plastics.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get into more about just um You know, manufacturing from Oregon. Are you an Oregonian or did you move here from for the company or I'm curious, kind of
1: born in Michigan?
0: uh, uh, I can hear the Michigan twang. My family's from Michigan. My dad's side. So I can hear that. uh,
1: Yeah, don't don't get me to say college or, you know, yeah, yeah, I was uh, born in Michigan, um, but uh, moved here in ninety nine. And fell in love with the city, the culture, everything, and um, from very humble roots, uh, two, uh, two gym bags and $2,000. I've been able to build many companies since and very thankful wow. for what the city's provided for me and my so, family.
0: Yeah. So for D6, did you, since you exited the previous company, did you self-fund this company or did you go back out and say, hey, looking for capital? Because this is a very
1: capital-intensive business, I would think so, right? Huge. Um So, heart of hearts, I really wanted, uh, you know, a really nice angel investor. That's a really great term. Um, They're not devils in most instances. There are a few good ones out there, so I don't want to discredit. But um, me and my wife have completely funded this um, to to the extreme of we had other businesses that we've sold off along the way to fund this and keep it going. But, uh, you know, um, not one outside dollar uh, from an outside investor, no P.E. money. Oh, and now we're getting ready to eclipse $100 million in annual revenue, and uh, we're doubling almost every 18 months. So how many employees do you have, can you say? Uh, we're in the many, many hundreds. Uh, it's growing. Um, I wish I had a firm number for you, um, but with uh, with our team and then our network, we're probably over 600, 800, somewhere in there, global. Okay.
0: okay. So let's get into some of the things you act, like tangible, the people who are you know, listening can say, this is the product you make and some of the partners you work with? Because I know
1: you make your own products, but you have, right? And you, but you partner with companies. So you can tell a bit about. Yeah, so, um, you know, amazing customer. One of our first is, you know, definitely Walmart. So if you go to the shelves uh, for like salad bowls, sandwich containers, bakery, um, those are all made from 100% recycled waste. And before B6 came into it, um, which is really exciting, um, maybe like 25% of it, um, so we're, we're not trying to be like the bare minimum, but a lot of clamshells uh, from syringes uh, overseas to uh, we're getting ready to make N95 mask. I mean, we, uh, to kind of put it in perspective, we make a lot of different products, but over 15 to 16% of the world touches something we have made or designed every single month. Wow. So for majority of the folks listening to this, you have things in your house. Plastics aren't really super sexy, but if you flip them over, you see a four digit code or a D6 ink or no code on it, you're most likely touching a product we made.
0: Wow. Well, you know, this manufacturing, you know, doesn't sometimes get as much buzz as the tech, the straight software companies, but you recently got an award um, by EY, um, one of the entrepreneur of the year awards. So let's talk about manufacturing as an industry. It's, it's really important to you know, Oregon's economy. Um, and again, it maybe doesn't get the notoriety of some of the software and stuff, but you know, just talk about the importance to, to uh, Portland and Oregon. You're employing hundreds of people, almost 100 million in revenue. That's nuts. Um, so I'd love for you to just talk about manufacturing and you know, the industry
1: itself and how yeah. important it is. So I always say, uh, you know, it's the greatest game. I, I love manufacturing. It's so much fun because you take something from absolutely nothing and turn it into um, a product that somebody actually values or will buy. It's it's amazing. Um, definitely, that manufacturing piece is 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 hard, right? Because there's skill set. It's uh, heavy in capital, um, getting up and running, and then making sure you know you have a great customer base that will continue to buy your products. Um, you know, manufacturing in Oregon, um, was definitely a bit challenging because we were losing a really, you know, the access to labor was really tight. And like you're saying, you know, tech and software is really, really sexy. And that's one reason why I didn't go outside and take outside money because at the end of the day, we weren't getting the valuations they were getting. And it's really sad because I see all this, uh, money get dumped, investment banking and PE and all that in these uh, apps that only are uh, built up to then be sold off and then they move the business out of Oregon. Right. Um, I really wanted to stay here. So uh, site one is, is in Oregon. It still is to this day. And now um, we're all around the world. Wow. So as you, as you look to scale
0: um, what's the next chapter for the, for the business and maybe if you can talk about some of the um, some of the challenges that you're going to be facing as you know, you look to get bigger.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's always people, you know? Um, And that's, that's, uh, you know, catch 22, right? The good and the bad of it Um, for training people for what we do. We have a D6U, um, so we bring people in and, and, and just train them internally, so we give a lot of people that normally are coming from certain service sectors that we train up to become operators to make $30, $40 plus an hour benefits, all that. So we really help people to elevate, um, but the next steps that are really challenging is around recycling. So we are leading mass efforts uh, domestically and abroad to put an ecosystem to uh, be able to take waste, measure it, clock it, and give our retailers, give our customers scorecards of what we actually collected. So my vision for the future of, you know, and the real hairy goal is to be able to be the first carbon negative company in the world and our goal is to do that by 2025 and we're about 73% of the way there right now. So we got a really good shot at doing this.
0: Let's talk about more about that. So 73% there, (laughs) when you say carbon negative for the folks like me who, I hear the term carbon neutral, what what does carbon
1: negative uh, would mean? So we're we're mining waste at a level and uh, it's not being burned or buried. So most people, my competitors are bringing materials offshore from third world countries and they're claiming that as recycled content. So what I'm pushing for is a country of origin labeling of where that material came from because you can still have recycling content but pack more carbon on top of it by pulling from another country. We're pulling from very exotic lands like Los Angeles, Chicago, (laughs) domestic soil here um, and putting in our goods. So rather than going offshore, transporting these things, thousands and thousands of miles we're able to process here and then recapture waste. So we're actually working with retailers right now that when we put a product on their shelf, we're going to recapture it through their facilities plus anything they bring back, wash, clean, recycle. So that's where we're going to be leading towards carbon negative uh, as we work towards it. So it's a very exciting, really only ones in the world that are doing it that are uh, the only thing we won't control in that entire process is the garbage truck. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so, yeah, very big, very big goal. But we're we're, we're leading the charge in a manner, um, and we have amazing partners. We have some, you know, global and regional partners that really, um, the recycling stream isn't changing. It hasn't evolved fast enough um, to kind of put it in perspective. The recycling stream is like the equivalent of the Model T mm-hmm. in technology right now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so, it's so basic. And we need to increase that uh, capacity and process. And that's what D6 hopes to do. So rather than having other people do it, we're just going to hop in like we've done within, you know, thermoforming, 3D printing, laser systems, robotics. We developed our own. We set our network up so we could actually measure it and not greenwash it like a lot of companies are doing nowadays. Right. And,
0: you know, that you mentioned the partners and that partner ecosystem, I think, is going to be crucial as you grow, probably. So are you looking for new partners as you you move towards this and scale. I'm just curious how that ecosystem works, whether it's real estate or or
1: you know, other retailers. I'm just yeah. So what we're always looking for is if it winds up on the shelf, that's our customer at the end of the day. So that real estate is always incredibly valuable because it's you know, people are always gonna go pick up a product, right? And convenience is at the forefront of consumers' minds and uh, time is money for, for all of us. So in order to hold that real estate on that product is very critical to hold that ecosystem of recycling together because if you're offshooting and moving the business every year or two, then um, you can't build a, a company off of that. Right. So a lot of the partners that we team up with, we sign you know, six, seven, nine-year contracts with renewal of equal time. So we know we have that material. The product may change slightly, but it has to consume that material through uh, the consumption through a consumer. Hmm. So if that kind of makes a, a yeah, little bit of yeah. sense, you got to hold that real estate because you got to have that, that uh, exit for the pounds that you're collecting.
0: Yeah. How's 2020 been for you?
1: Um,
0: it Personally has, and professionally, <laughs> <I> yes. <laughs>
1: uh, it's, it's been the hardest uh, year, I think, for everybody in their lives. Um, you know, uh, on top of, uh, you know, just trying to keep, uh everything in check or figure out what the new norm is. But, uh, you know, for, for, for me and and my wife, Susan, we have eight different companies and, um, and they range from, you know, D6 to barbershops to robotic production for movies, film, TV, to laser systems. Um, we, uh, very diverse. It sounds very wide, but when you group them together, besides the barbering, uh, it's something (laughs) business I've always loved. Um, they all help each other. And 2020, when March hit, just absolutely uh, decimated us in certain areas. Um, you know, like our barbershops were completely cut down um, to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some of our other businesses, only three out of eight were generating cash flow plus positive moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to regroup. So uh, we as a company develop, you know, 3,000 to 2,000 new projects or products a year for companies to work on and it stopped. It went down to like 40 wow. a month. Wow. So you're sitting back, here, like, what do you do? And then on top of that, um, some of our core sales on items around fresh, we saw consumers not pick up as many fresh products, and they were going to longer shelf life. So here we're sitting on seven years worth of product. And then on other things like meat, cheese, bakery, those items were two, 3000%. So you're trying to manage all this plus, uh, process what COVID was or wasn't at the time. And we pivoted in a very big manner. So while we saw some of our core items go down that, I mean, literally hundreds of millions of people touch a month to, you know, 10%, 20% of what they were to then um, see spikes of 3000% trying to manage that with manufacturing, we were able to do it and not miss one purchase order. And all the while, launch a medical division, which will be only the fourth company in North America and the only privately held company to make N95 mask here in a matter of days. So Ed, why <laughs>
0: take on starting a new line of business in all this 2020 thrown at you? You got eight companies. Obviously it's, it's a high demand product, but I'm
1: just curious uh, why. Um, it's, it's a really good question. And at the time we Knowing what I know now, I, our, our team led with our hearts, not our heads, mm-hmm. and um, we just wanted to help. We knew we had the resources, we knew we had the products um, in our current ecosystem that we could repurpose, and you have to understand our company turns things very fast, so when a customer comes with us to, to get a concept or some, you know, a prototype done, anything that's plastic, that isn't nuclear, we can make in 24 to 48 hours, it can be in your hands. So we knew we could tackle these problems for shortage supplies, for 3D printing of devices for hospitals, which we did. We started working on N95 masks, which we knew we could conquer because it just didn't seem like it was breaking. So um, every free dollar uh, without PO or promise of PO, we pivoted towards uh, you know, making medical PPE. And uh, at one point, PPE was 45% of our sales. Wow. And up until March 16th, I've never mentioned PPE in my vocabulary. Uh, So we just, we have an amazing team. Um, You know, most people start off, no, we can't do it. We throw a K at the front of that and a W at the end of that because we'll know how to do it um, at D6. And, uh, you know, we had people that wanted to help. I mean, we were throwing in 19, 20-hour, 22-hour days to try to figure this out because nobody really understood the supply chain for medical products and where they're made. So long-term, now, sitting today, um, a normal process for an N95 mask or production site usually takes about two, two and a half years to build out. We did it in eight months. So we have that very can-do attitude and the culture here to do that. And we just wanted to help. And when we come online, we're going to be actually manufacturing these cheaper than what's coming from offshore. And our goal is to turn this into a very large medical division here in Portland, Oregon. And um, we just secured another 95,000 square feet for the Boyds building, which will be ramping up a second medical production site. So we're very excited about the future, and we want to make things in America. Yeah, we can yeah. do it nowadays. It's, it's just you got to be realistic on your margins. That's what people don't understand they load up too much with debt and um so you know the amazing partnerships we have with our our retailers put us in this position and uh you know we just we wanted to to help and we're we're, we're almost there
0: where do you get that entrepreneurial spirit is it just your family growing up was always like that or you or know is it something you've always
1: had i grew up uh uh, you know, for me, making things domestically is very personal. Um, NAFTA destroyed my family's business in agriculture. Um, you know, uh, when I was, when I was a kid and, um, grew up farming, it's very necessary. Um, you know, it's a very necessary group that we need, uh, to survive and they don't get as much credit. And, uh, it always was really tough as a kid seeing something you'd be out working, you know, 18 hours a day to help feed your family and, And, uh, this product, this box of cucumbers could be $37 one day. And then 24 hours later, it's $6 and 50 cents because Mexico was turned on and they just would crash the boards. Um, so to make things in America is is very personal. So I saw that and, um, you know, I really wanted to make things, you know, domestically. So very, very important. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be poor again. You know it's 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 not fun um you know pr- having to pray for things in life so it's really nice to, be able to have a little bit more control and um you know thank god hard work got a decent little noodle up here uh and amazing teammates, and I have an amazing wife that supports me through all this. You know, it's um, pretty crazy. Uh, you know, when you go to your wife and like, we're going to start a N95 facility here in America. Why are you <laughs> doing that? You know, <laughs> we this far, and, uh, you know, very much so. Just uh, you know, got amazing support cast around us so that we have that confidence that we'll get it done. And if we fail, eyes wide open, mm. we went into it. Um, I went into it uh, knowing that we can fail. And if we lose seven, six, $8 million, it's going to sting, but we tried, you know, so that doesn't go a long way in the business community uh, nowadays because they they want their guarantees and their 10 X returns. But, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to do a leap of faith and be a little naive, which we were, but we're figuring it out and uh, we'll hopefully monetize it here in a matter of 30 days. I love that.
0: I love that beginner's mindset. And it's, it's really valuable. So what are, you know, I'll ask just a few more questions. Um, what's some advice you have just for founders and entrepreneurs now during this time, whether what software or manufacturing, whatever
1: it is. Uh, I, I, you know, love you to know the know. big, the big thing, I'll, I'll kind of answer that in two ways just kind of for you. Um, the big problem I always see with entrepreneurs is they sprinkle equity around like you wouldn't believe in the early days. Like, hey, you take 10%, I'll take 15%. Don't do that. <laughs> Have earnouts, okay? Um, so watch out. That equity that you hold is so critical. It's such a precious resource. And scale is great. And um, sometimes getting all that money up front is really amazing, but then you don't manage it as well as you should. Um, so really watch out for that of how you sprinkle equity and how you spend that initial money or going into it make sure you get a good bankroll and at least two emergency <laughs> sources of funding in case you catch uh, fire. Um, and then second of all, you know, the only thing I can uh, really say for these, these times we're in um, no one to pivot mm. because uh, if it's not coming back, you know, four or five months, you better figure out how you can turn into and evolve or mutate into something that is relevant. And I hate to say that it's really hard but there's a lot of people right now and in my heart absolutely goes out to them in the service industry and and all people that um you know imagine being uh, not necessary you know it's it's a really my heart goes out to them so you know think through the problem um, whether you own a business or you're you're unemployed like think through it and really um revisit what you are and what you need to become because uh, things aren't returning back to what they, they were They're, yeah It's a different world nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it will be better. It, it will truly be better.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for that. So, you know, I always like to end just asking about Portland, you know uh, we won't say you're a transplant here. You're, you know, you've been here a while, but <laughs> yeah. you know, what's some, um, and you, you know, I love how you planted the flag here. To, to, to run several businesses and stay here where you ha- had a lot of opportunities to, to move or, yeah. or, you know, go wherever. So what are some of the great things about doing businesses, a uh, business here, owning a business, but also, you know, some challenges we might have
1: too. Yeah. Um, you know, P- Portland, weather. you know, I, I, you know, we're down to demographics nowadays, but it, but it is truly a melting pot it, for ideas and cultures. And that's the thing that I always love, you know, coming here and being from here, uh, you know, and from the Midwest, it's, it's very meat and potatoesy. y um, you know, it's evolving and changed, um, but Portland is a true melting pot from when I first came here, it was, it was electric in the, you know, early 2000s, and, you know, we got that, that, that spin on it, so I've, I've always loved the city for its ideas, good or bad, um, and I, I, I truly loved where it was, it was so clean, you know, I really miss that. Um, so, you know, you could be you no matter what that was here in the city and people would respect it. Um, and that's what I loved about this city, um, because it was, it was very different and and more rigid where I grew up. Um, you know, the troubles with Portland is that, that same problem right now, you know, um, and, and I, we've got a really bad homeless problem. Um, we've had some pretty serious break-ins, you know, and, and some things that are happening, not only, you know, downtown, but like around in the community and there's, uh, it's got to get cleaned up because it's scaring a lot of people off. I I talk with a lot of business leaders in the community and other businesses that are thinking about coming here because we invest in other companies, uh, as well as, um, you know, not only fund our own, Mm. but, um, they're. They don't know what to make of Portland anymore. It was this, this special, special place. And I still truly believe it is. It's just, it's got to get back on the rails.
0: What do you tell them, those companies?
1: You know, um, it's changed. You know, we, I'm, I'm not going to lie to people. It's definitely changed. Um, you know, I really hope we can evolve out of it pretty quick because it is an amazing city. I've uh, been around the world eight times plus. I always love coming home. And it's, it's changed a little bit. So I really hope they can just get it together. And I always say, you know, um, you know, come and check it out. Uh, You know, just don't pay attention. The news is one aspect of it. It, Portland is greater than just the news and um, come visit. Um, But ultimately end of the day, um, you know, we've got to understand we're competing with Texas and South Carolina and these other states that are throwing out, you know, massive, massive packages and the real estate, right? They're almost giving it away in most instances. And it's a really big thing when you're investing in a business is to have, you know, good solid foundation and you need good real estate. So that's, uh, you know, uh, a, a trouble, but I believe we can, you know, innovate our way out of it. But Portland, climate, everything, it's its truly special in my heart.
0: It really is. And I'm, uh, op- I'm an optimistic person by nature. I think we're going to come out of this really strong and the business community here is amazing i get to talk to folks like you a lot which i'm really thankful for and just i appreciate you coming on and here you know you hearing your story congratulations on the uh award from ui it's, it's a big deal so congrats
1: i'm stoked because now it's on to nationals so um now we'll be down to the top 100 uh for the united states and uh you know i want to take that hardware home
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, because that's on to global after that. So I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, realize it went to global after that. So, you know, round one, uh, got the hardware and hold up the trophy. It's over there. Uh, so we'd have to do a, a, a take two on this one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We'll see. We'll follow it. Hopefully we can come back and you can hold the trophy while we're doing this. Yeah. No,
1: November, I think 19th or 17th, uh, one of those two days they're having it. So, uh, I'm rooting for it, man. I I, I want to take it home, but, uh, you know, got some good, uh, good company we're in and, you know, we'll see how it, we'll see how it uh, all shakes out.
0: Awesome. Well, best of luck. Thanks so much, Ed.
1: All right. Thank you. See you then.
0: The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe
1: and rate the podcast as well.